Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelis and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel podcast. We have with us our co-host and Hall of Famer live on location. The second year in a row we've done this um, with Steve Flink. Just got back to his hotel. Matches did not run as late as they have been the previous nights where curfew has halted some matches. We are recording this on Monday at around uh, 11, 11.30 Steve's time. So we're going to hit some quick uh, hitters here and let him go to bed because he's got plenty of plenty of tennis ahead of him this remaining week. Steve, <laughs> thanks for staying up and doing this. Uh, David, it's great to be back in London and, and at Wimbledon. And I, I arrived in time to see the Sunday matches. And then again, all the matches today, it's been pretty gripping stuff. And as you know, we're now down to the quarters in both the men's and women's divisions. And uh, I'm looking forward to this next couple of days when it, it's different from the old days. We always split the women's quarters and the men's quarters. Now, they're, they're, I, I think it's more appealing that they're tomorrow, two men's, two women's quarters, same thing the following day. And then we'll have Thursday women's semis, Friday men's semis, the two finals back to back on Saturday and Sunday over the weekend. So we've got a great six days ahead. Well, again, for our, our people listening, we're recording this late Monday night. Um, there's been so much tremendous tennis during the first week. And then the last two days have been sensational. There's a lot to hit on. I'm just going to throw, you know, some darts on the wall and you're going to use your expertise and, 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 you know, tell us what, what, what you're hearing, what you're feeling down on the grounds and what, you know, your perspective on everything. We got to start with a guy we've talked about last episode and it's unfortunately not Sebastian Corda who lost very early. We thought he was going to maybe make a run, but another American, Mr. Christopher Eubanks with a huge win today over Stefano Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas, talk about a tough draw. I mean, right out of the shoot, has to play five sets, Dominique team, five sets, Andy Murray, a little easier third round and then goes out to Chris. You know, Chris, that top 100 was that hurdle, Steve. We talked about it. And once he got through that mental hurdle of making that top 100, he has just been sailing. Now he's going to be, what, 31 or 32? What well, a I think at least he's in the quarters. Uh, maybe maybe he climbs into the top 30. I don't know. I, it looks like he's going to have an excellent chance to be seated at the Open. But, you know, David, this rise is much swifter than he could have anticipated or we could have. And it's just spectacular that he wins a tournament coming into Wimbledon, gives him the confidence, has a tough draw. I had to play Cam Norrie, who was in the semifinals last year. He knocks him out in four sets in the second round. And then he wins his next one against O'Connell. And then today, he's down a set against Sitsabas, and they go into the tiebreak in the second. That's a pretty much a do-or-die tiebreak. He loses it. I mean, excuse me, he wins it, but still loses the third. Comes back and wins it in five sets. And you can see that he's ha- how well he's handling the pressure. It's not just his explosive fast court game, but it's the way that he's connecting with the crowds and holding his hand to his ear, a la Djokovic, and raising his arms the way the other top players do, and just thoroughly enjoying himself. And I think it's kept him loose. And he has to stay loose. As you know, he's that kind of a player. He, he's not, uh, he doesn't, he's not going to rally with you the way a quarter can or some of the other guys on the back of the quarter, Tiafo, Brits. No, he needs to, he, he likes to end points decisively, quickly. Uh, he goes for it and he attacks a lot too. So this surface is ideal for Christopher Eubanks. And there he is in the quarterfinals where he'll play Medvedev, who he's given a tough time to before. 
And that would have beat him in Miami when Chris broke yeah. the top 100. And it was a very good match. So I, and at that point, I don't think he could have dreamed of beating Medvedev. I think he was shocked that he pushed him as hard as he did. This time, his attitude is going to be very different. He's going to be saying to himself, you know, I belong here. I've beaten two. I've beat the number 12 seed, Nori. I knocked off number five, Sitsipas. Yes, Medvedev is my toughest test, but if there's a court for me to play him on, it's grass. I mean, he pushed him hard on the heart in Miami, as you're alluding to, but here it should have even a better chance, nothing to lose. And uh, I think that's going to be a very, that's going to be a captivating clash. That's how I'll put it. And I think close. I still give Medvedev the edge but not by any kind of wide margin. He's going to have to return really well, and he's going to have to prevent uh, Eubanks from smothering him at the net. And he will try to do that. He will get in a lot, and he'll force Daniel to come up with the passing shots. I, I can't wait for that one. You know, Steve, I threw out a tweet out there today. Um, you know, obviously, commentators, former players, they get into maybe tennis commentary after their playing career is over because that's what their schedule would allow. But Chris, it's going to be interesting. Chris has stated during his con- when he was doing the commentating that it has helped his game. It'll be interesting to see how many current players, whether it's during off weeks or maybe injuries where they have a couple weeks to do it, or try to get into the to the booth and try to see matches from a different perspective. Chris emphatically stated his work on Tennis Channel has helped him in his game. Yeah, no, he's talked about that a couple of times over here, and I think he really means it. And it's just, it just blows my mind in a way, thinking back on that commentary and the respect, not that he shouldn't have respect for the top players, but the way he talked about the Djokovic's and Sitsipas's and other top players as he spoke about their tenants, as he, as, he, as he announced their matches. And now here he is in the, in the middle of all this and, and beginning to really believe in himself. And he couldn't be a more earnest likable guy and it doesn't seem to be going to his head at all and he has set himself up for a magnificent summer and he's now gonna as we were saying you know he good chance he gets seated at the open and and i mean god if he beat medvedev and got to the semis the ranking goes even higher but he's already there he's already in great shape win or lose that quarter he is. And, you know, it, it was a tough first week. No one, no one thought Chris Eubanks would be the last American male standing on the women's side. We have um, Jesse Pagula has a great opportunity to make her first semi of a slam. She's got a good draw in her quarter. We also have Madison Keys. But let's talk about the American men. I mean, it was a tough, tough first week. You know, Tiafo goes out early. Tommy Paul lost a tough five setter. Um, Corda, we all knew we, we thought he was making a he, he could make a run. Taylor Fritz, you know, since Wimbledon, Steve, when he was a whisker away from beating Rafa and making the semis, he's had a rough go at slams. And we had talked about that separately. I mean, he's since since he made that run at Wimbledon last year, he lost to Brandon Holt first round of the Open. Second round in Australia, he went out. And then Alexi Popperin, third round in Roland Garros. And now second round here. Um, it's been tough. Second round, second round here after leading two sets to love. Difficult yeah. schedule in fairness to him. These guys were playing a lot of back-to-back days because of the weather, <clears throat> but still, he'd be the, <clears throat> he'd be the first to admit that you, you can't you can't be losing to somebody from two sets to love with his ability and his top ten capabilities. You got to close that match out. You have to close that account. He didn't do it. He's in a definite slump. Corda played Be- Besseli, who was a tough left-hander, tricky left-hander, who's actually beaten Djokovic a few times, and 
Yes, that was that you, you give him you cut him a little slack for the style of his opponent being a lefty on grass, dangerous on fast court. Still a match you hope and expect Corder wins. Tiafo got destroyed by Grigor Dimitrov. I was highly disappointed in his performance. I mean, we saw today how good Grigor is. He still gave Runa quite a battle, but Runa he did. Came Grigor back played well. He played a high level today. I that was good he did, but but again. Runa figured him out and Runa came back and after losing the first set, I won a couple of tiebreakers, tiebreakers and then closed it out in four. Francis, the fact that it wasn't more competitive, I found a, a bit alarming, a bit disturbing because I think he's better than that. I think if he loses to Grigor 6-4-4-6-7-5-7-6, you say, okay, it's a good match. Tell me, this was just a straight set blitz. Yeah. So, and who are, who are we leaving out? We've talked about Fritz. We've talked about Tiafo. We've talked about Corda. Tommy Paul, Tommy Paul and came Tommy back Paul. from two sets down and yeah. he thought he was going to try to eke out that fifth set, but six, two, he won, I think yeah. two tiebreakers and he, he almost yeah. lost in straight sets, but he, but he got through that third and fourth set. Yeah. It's disappointing to make the comeback and not complete it. And yeah, he's, he hasn't been able to quite live up to the laurels of his semifinal showing at the Australian open. I, I think Tommy will come out of this. I think he's got a good attitude. He's got a great coach in Brad Stein and, uh, he, he, I think he's the kind of guy that can learn from his losses and he gets back on the hard courts over the summer. I think we'll see some better stuff out of him, but this was a, this was a difficult one for him and uh, things could have opened up if he would have pulled that match out. Well, we got, like we said, we got Chris Eubank. So we're still, we're still hanging in there. Now I'm going to just throw some darts on the wall and, and you, you tell me how you feel. Unbelievable match. Eight, eight in the fifth set final breaker. And Fakina throws an underhand serve. Wasn't even slice on it. It was like he teed that up. Um, and, and Olga Runa just, he had a cross-court winner on it. I said to myself, okay, did he do this several other times, maybe earlier in the match, and had success with it? The answer to that was, was no, because I hadn't seen the whole match. Um, yeah. I look at that differently. Yes, 8-8 eight, eight in the fifth set, you know, final break. That's crazy to even think about doing that. I myself have never been in the position, so I don't know what my decision-making skills were, but I was curious to see if he had done it earlier in the match and was successful at it. I don't think he had done that earlier in the match, so it was no, even I more see, I, I didn't see it all, but from what, the reports that I got, no, he did not. It, it was a brain cramp. That's all it was. I, I don't know why he thought, what, what was the point? Yes, you maybe shock the other guy and get away with it, but why not play be more percentage-oriented and say, I'm going to go deep down the tee. I'm, I've been going out wide, I'm going down the tee, or vice versa. Fool him with the direction of your serve, but it's too big a point. Whoever wins the point is going to be at match point. So don't do not do that. Huge. That, I mean, and, and, eight, eight. <laughs> and it would have been a big win for Davidovich Fokina. And instead, Runa, to his credit, came out of it. He's been playing a lot of those matches this year in the majors, you know going to these fifth set tie breaks, but he, he took full advantage of it to then come back and beat Grigor today to now sit in that four setter that we described. So now he ends up playing against Carlos in the quarters. And I think Carlos is going to be a little apprehensive about that one fellow 20 year old, not afraid of him. Last time they were playing in the Paris Bercy event last fall, it was Runa won the first set and it was going to the tie break in the second and Carlos got hurt and had to quit, but he was already in trouble before the injury. So I don't know. I don't think that's a, that's that's not nothing automatic. Maybe Carlos a 55-45 favorite going in, but not much better than that. I think that's going to be a very competitive 
confrontation. All right. Next, I'm going to ask you about two guys who both lost to Stefano Tsitsipas, but in my perspective, they're both on the uptick because I thought both played very well, and that's Dominic Team and Andy Murray. Yeah, they did. Listen, the problem is that Team keeps having these, shall we say, impressive losses. He's had a couple of Tsitsipas now. And yet it, it's not taking him anywhere. I, I, you know, I, I hope that he needs something big to happen for him over the summer before, between now and the end of the year, some good results over the summer, maybe go back to the open uh, where he was the, where he was the surprising victor back in 2020 in that final of Rosarev and go back to the scene of his greatest triumph and try to do something impressive there. And then close the year strong. If he doesn't, I don't know. I think he's going to be very discouraged because you can't just keep losing great matches like that. It was, it was a terrific performance. And then you mentioned Murray. And of course, Murray then had the two day match himself, just as the other one was, he goes two days, five sets with Sitsipas and Murray almost had him. Yeah. And I said to you, Steve, that even, at, even with two sets to one, when they stopped because of curfew, I, I still didn't feel, I still felt it was a coin flip. I still felt 50, 50 at, well, at that night. I wouldn't have felt that way if they kept going that night. I would yes, have gone correct. With, I agree with that. But and, the and fact going, that they stopped, I thought it was yeah. a point. No, that's always going to help the person who's down. And you were right. And I, 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 but still, it came down to a crunch four set tie break. And it was three points all. And they had an incredible 30 shot exchange. 30 and shot. Right. It's a pop, got into the net on a perfect approach, did not hesitate off a decent lob from Murray, not a great lob, but it was. Not not the easiest of overheads. He put it away confidently and then marched through the rest of that tie break. And then that carried him into the fifth and he won the fifth. So I think um, it, it was a good effort from both players. Yeah, and he shouldn't be discouraged. On the other hand, he knows he's not going to have that. The two-time former champion here, how many more opportunities did he have to come back He was here? hoping to get seated, Steve. He was so yeah. close, you know, so he's going to have to play these guys in the first and second round. It would have helped. It would have helped, but you know, it just might, he might've hit somebody like this in the third round instead of the second. You never know. I just saying it was impressive, but again, where is Andy going to go from here? We don't know. He says he was feeling better physically coming into that match. And then he took that bad fall at the end of the first day, right before closing out the third set. And everybody was a little worried about that, but he came back. He looked physically fine the last two sets. So, and on that level, I'm encouraged for him. I just don't know what, what things pretend for him in terms of the facing the, t the leading players and being able to beat them. Again, we're going to learn a lot about Andy in the next four months as well. Okay. The two women's matches that was yesterday in the States, it was Sunday afternoon. I mean, they were both played basically simultaneously. ABC had it on the split screen. I mean, they had it. Both matches were in like critical junctures at the same exact time. It was amazing to watch. And it was, you know, Belinda Bencic against Iga Sviatek. Bencic had two match points at 15-40, in the second set. Steve, she did not lose those points. Iga won those points. And champions she do did. that. Um, I would say this, David. I my only, dis I don't want to say disagreement. The only difference of opinion is that she was a bit timid, just a little timid. She and, and Ega took it to her. I felt, I felt like she was waiting for Ega to give her. She, she was, it was more like I'm playing not to miss. And there's certain players that go into that lockdown mode, obviously Djokovic being the prime, prime example. And it, it's probably the right way for them to play. I, 
I was hoping maybe she'd go for it just a little bit more, but she certainly didn't give it away by any means. In the second match point, Iga hit a great back-end winner. Yeah. So, look, all credit to Iga. Don't get me wrong. I still give her, I think it was more a triumph for, for her than a defeat for benches. And then she comes back and wins. And I think that could be a really, you know, she's not going to play Swidalina in the quarters and she might play Pagula in the semis, but I, I give her a very good chance to at least be in the final now. The Swidalina match will not be easy, but I give her the I give her the edge going in clearly. And again, I, I threw out a tweet, you know, and this just isn't in tennis tournaments. This is in any sport and tournament. A lot of times, maybe when a favorite comes extremely close to losing a match and they get yeah. out of it, yeah, they feel I don't know if this is the right way to put it, like house money, because I don't think any champion would say they're playing with house money. But there's something about still being alive in the tournament that the later rounds they get through a little bit easier. Time will tell, obviously. We'll see that with Iga. But, man, that was some match. And then we move it to Svitolina and Azarenka. You know I mean, what? my I, God, I, that was unbelievable, it was, too. It was, yeah, you know what, David? It was. You say it was some match. It absolutely was. And it's on grass, where she hasn't proven herself yet. She's been far better. She's already made the transition from being initially a great clay court player to being a great clay court and hardcore player. Now, this is a big step on grass for her. And I think uh, the draw, I, I really like that draw in terms of her making the finals from here. I, I don't know if she wins the final or not, but I like her chances to be in the final. And I think, I think that, that, that I, I totally agree with your take on this in terms of being pushed to the brink in this case is going to do her a lot, of, a lot of good. Yeah, and then talk about the second match, which was crazy good Svitolina versus Azarenka. I mean, again, that match was unbelievable. Svitolina wins, what, 11-9 in the third set breaker? Both players had chances. I, I, both those matches, the bench at Sviatek and the Svitolina-Azarenka, I, my eyes were glued. I, I didn't know to turn my head to the left of my TV or to the right of the TV because it, yeah, no, it, was, it was crazy. The, the level was was exceedingly high in both matches. I, I, I agree. You you you're you're kind of tormented on which 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 match to to watch or concentrate on. Yes, I split Alina. I mean, down seven four in that final set tiebreak, the super tiebreak at the end, and then at the at the very end, she closes it out with an ace out wide in the ad court, which was a really kind of a very uh, pleasurable way for her to conclude it, and then. We didn't have a handshake. We've got the political ramifications there. And, and that, that was always going to be the case. She was not going to shake Azarenka's hand. So Azarenka kind of looked at her. I thought Azarenka actually handled it pretty well. Yeah. She was very dignified. Yeah. Yeah. She did. She was dignified and that was nice. And, but they put on a stellar display, both players. It was one of the best strategic matches I've seen. Not that Iga and, and uh, Benchich wasn't also, but this one was particularly appealing i thought the way they went at each other tactically and azarenka's always been one of the smartest players in in, in the world of women's tennis and, and swidalina is right there with her so i think the crowd got more than their money's worth and this this comeback of swidalina's i always loved the way she played always liked her guile and now here she is in the quarters and we'll see i as i say i still pick ega but it, 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 i hope they have a great hard-fought three-set match I'm a big fan of both Svitolina and Azarenka. So I was going to be happy in one case and sad in the other because I'm, I mean, though, I mean, both those players, it was so, so good. So, so good. All right. So we've talked a little bit in, pro in previous episodes on the separation of, we say, Sviantec, Sabalenka, Rabakina. They've won the last five majors. Will it be six major? You look at these quarterfinal matches, which we're, we're going to talk about now. 
It's crazy. The one person who on paper has the easiest quarterfinal is someone who's never been to a slam semi before, and that's Jesse Pagula. She should get through hers. But if you go to the top of the draw, you got Sviatek versus Svitolina. That's enticing. You said, you know, you're, you're liking Sviatek to the final, but just the matchup between Sviatek and Svitolina is great. Oh, I'm not saying it's no piece of cake. I don't mean that. I just mean I favor her. I get, I make her the clear favorite going in and might go three. I just, I just feel like she will be comfortable from the baseline in that match. That's going to be more in her hands, and she, she's got a little bit more uh, artillery in her game. While, but Swindelina, you, you really have to execute. Your, your execution has to be supremely sound. Or, or she will get to you. She will, she will punch holes in your game. Egan knows that, and I. That's why I expect. But I, I'm, I no, I'm not, I'm not looking at a three and three match. I'm just looking at a Sviantec victory, however it occurs, either tight two or hard fought three. Okay, Jesse Pagula, does she make her first semi of a slam? Yes, yes, I like her chances. I actually expect her to win in straight, uh, but even if she is pushed to three, I still like her chances. So I'm, I'm putting Jesse into the penultimate round as well. Third one, a rematch of the Wimbledon final last year, right? Ange Jabor versus Rabakina. That's going to be amazing. I think Ange gets through that match. You know, I'm tempted to go along with you, but I'm going with Rabakina in another hard-fought three-setter because of her serve. I'm giving her the edge because of her serve. But you know what? I would be happy to be wrong. I'd be very happy for Anshu Bohr, who's who's one of the most beguiling players in women's tennis and very well liked by the other players. One of the more interesting games out there, too. She's so versatile, so much touch and so much ability to attack. So if she were to win, I'd be very happy for her. I just give Rebakina on this court with that serve. I think it really, it's, it's so rewarding to her. And it was in that final against last year. So I, I think we're going to have this. I see the same result. Another three-setter, another win for Rybakina. I cannot wait to watch that match. I think it's going to be very close. Uh, whoever wins, I think yeah, it's it very, very close. I cannot wait to watch that match. Okay, the last quarter, we have the second American, Madison Keys, who was down 3-6-1-4 to Andreeva. That yeah. I mean, that girl's unbelievable. Madison gets through that match wins and she plays Sabalenka. We've talked about Madison a lot on these episodes. She got a huge test in this quarter. But as we always say, if Madison plays at the top of her game, she can beat anyone. She can. And I don't put it past her, but I'm giving I'm giving it to Sabalenka in three. I still like the way she's played over the course of the year. I like the way she's played herself into form in this tournament. And I think she can win a big hitting contest here that she will be the more she'll, she'll have to create more openings to hit winners. I just like her chances. I, you know, again, I not, no shock to me if, if keys pulls an upset, but I'm going with Sabalenka in three. All right, let's flip it over to the men. Now you, you mentioned it briefly, Carlos Alcaraz who beat Matteo Berrettini today in a good match faces Holger Runa who beat Grigor Dimitrov today in a good match. Both guys played doubles in the juniors together. They are two young guns. You're going to be hearing about them for God knows how long. It's going to be uh, it's going to be electric that match. Yeah, the pair of twenty year olds 
wise beyond their years and skilled way beyond their years too. And it's going to be fascinating because Carlos has the bigger game. He has more weapons. He has more variety, I would say, uh, more, more natural gifts. But boy, Bruna is, is awfully good. And he's very smart. And he seems to be, the best thing about him is his fearlessness in terms of confronting bigger names. That's why he beat Novak Djokovic in the final of the indoor event in Paris last November. He had no business doing it, you would think, but he pulled it off and no less 7-5 in the third after a marathon final game of the match. So he did it in, a, in the crunch against the best player in the world. So again, I, that's why I, I, I see him go out to play a quarterfinal against Carlos. And I say, there's no reason he can't win this match. So I'm giving Carlos the edge. I'm going to go with Carlos in five, but I think we're going to have a tremendous tussle in, in that quarterfinal contest that could go right down to the wire. And you mentioned earlier Medvedev versus Eubanks. I'm going, and I hope I'm wrong with this, but I'm going Medvedev in four extremely tight sets, extremely tight. Yeah, I think so. I could even see it going five, but I'll go seven, six in the four to Medvedev. But you still have, you, you got to give me your call on Runa Alcaraz. I mean, Alcaraz of all the services, and believe me, Carlos is good on grass. I said this earlier to, to, a, to a friend of mine. This is probably the least favorite of his surf, yeah. surfaces. So I give Runa a chance, but I'm going to go Alcaraz by the skin of his teeth. So you're also going to go five. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to go Carlos in five. Medvedev, yeah. Eubanks, I'm going Medvedev in four. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. Good point about Carlos. He's still acquiring the the grass court seasoning. He's still figuring it out. Yeah. But he's so darn gifted. I, and the way that he came back against Berrettini, now, I didn't think Berrettini sustained his level that well. But Carlos started to pick the Berrettini serve. He changed his positioning on the returns. He started to it, it looked like a different match the last three sets after the first. And he got some help from from Berrettini, but so he's still impressing me in certain ways. Jerry gave him a tough four set match too. So it has not been easy, but he, he is, he still impressed me. On the other hand, I think this next one is by far his toughest test yet against somebody. His toughest in, test he, on his least favorite surface, but I still yeah. think he sneaks through. Yeah, probably. Uh, again. Yeah. I mean, we're both looking at it the same way, but I'm seeing it going down to the wire. And again, no shock to me if we get a, an upset there because Runa is Runa has a, he's one of the most prideful players I've, I've ever seen. And he's, he's living up to his number six seating. Yeah. Chris, I mean, with, with Eubanks and Medvedev, I'm mean, obviously he's going to have to serve big, keep the points very short. He doesn't want to get into long baseline rallies with, with Daniil. Again, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I think Daniil wins this one for very tight sets. Yeah. I think that Chris is going to, I think we're going to see him do a fair amount of serving and volleying, particularly on the first serve. And he'll, he'll use the play that some guys and Djokovic has done it, but a lot, a bunch of guys are learning. Now you pull Daniel wide and you come in on the serving volley and you volley angle the first volley cross court. And he leaves a lot of territory open there. And I, I see Eubanks doing a lot of that. And then I also see him looking for any opening he has to get in on to the net uh, in Medvedev service games too. One, you know, hitting aggressive second serve returns and getting in behind those. I, I think he'll take the right kinds of risks that could give him the chance to make this close. And then you got Yannick Sinner, who I feel is kind of in the position that Jesse Pagula is on the on the women's side. Sinner's going to be favored big time in that court. I think Sinner gets through in straight sets. 
Yes, yes. Uh, you know, he's he's lost one set in the tournament. And he's looked pretty good. He, he wasn't great in the previous round, but he's 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 getting closer to the top of his game. Yeah, Sinner, Sinner makes that semi. And and then, we, of course, we've got Novak playing against Rublev. And, you know, he's only lost to Rublev once. It was on clay over in Serbia. <clears throat> Djokovic far from his best. Other, otherwise, he's, he's beaten him in straight sets, including at the Australian this year. And what I think he's going to like about that matchup, I'm going to go with him in straight. It could go four, but I'm, I'm going to say straight. But what I like about that matchup for him is he's coming off, you know, Hubie, Hurkacz, who could attack him and do some serving and volleying and just, you know, as great as Rublev's serve is, uh, Hurkacz has served unbelievably well. 33 he got aces. broken once the whole tournament. The whole tournament. Novak finally broke him today. Couldn't break him last night in the first two sets and, and squeak those out in tie breaks and uh, in the clutch. And then they I, I mean, back. let's talk about that a little bit because I thought, I mean, first of all, Novak has won 14 consecutive tie breaks now. Um, I thought, now I'm not going to say, oh, you know, Hurkacz should have won the first two sets. And then obviously today he won the third set. The whole thing's different. If Hurkacz wins the first two sets, they stop, they play the third tomorrow. The whole mindset and the whole match is different at that point. But for Hubie to be up 6-3 in the first set breaker and 5-4 in the second set breaker and not even get a split of those first two sets is is well, devastating. I thought uh, I thought Novak was I thought this could have been a very very dangerous match for Novak and it was. It those first two sets could have easily gone to Hercoc. Yeah, well certainly the first. I I think the second is a different story and I'll explain why. But the first set obviously Novak dug a hole for himself, you know, that they're on serve. It was it was pretty uh, harrowing for him to deal with, to try to read that. As he said, he's never he seldom felt so helpless against the server as he did mm-hmm. against Hercoc. And this has not been the case in his prior victories over Hubie. He's been able to get the breaks here and there. Never has the guy served so devastatingly as he did in this match. But then they go to the tie break. Djokovic serves a, t- a double fall to go down four three, and then Hubie serves two aces and it's six three. So, okay, that looks large. But the next two points are on Novak serve. So, you know, and he he just will not give you anything in that situation. So he wins those well, points. Well, he has made it. unforced errors now in tiebreakers now. So that crazy streak is over. Yeah, but, it, <laughs> but he wasn't going to do it at 3-6. Not with not – with he was going to make him serve it out. And sure enough, he hits a chip return on the 6-5 point, and Hubie has that blunder off the forehand on the approach and, and, uh, and Novak ends up winning the next two points and a couple more QBRs. Okay. Fragile and, and, and missed opportunity. And yes, Novak needed some good fortune. The second set to me was a different story altogether. Novak started to create openings. He had a love 30 early. Then he's up four, three, love 40 and QB serve. Hercotch magnificently worked his way back to Deuce, serving more bombs. And then Djokovic creates a fourth breakpoint opportunity. He hits the passing shot. Hubie stabs at the volley, tempting this drop volley. The ball goes up in the air. I watched it again on tape today after watching it live in the center yesterday. It was one of the most freakish points because somehow the volley falls over the net. And Djokovic, despite scampering forward pretty swiftly, fall, you know, he, his momentum carries him into the net and he missed the shot anyway. But they looked at each other and they hugged. And, and then when Hubie went back to the baseline, he 
grinned at Djokovic again as, as if to say, I was so darn lucky there. I can't believe I won that point. Well, that was going to be 5-3 Djokovic serving for the set over, over. Right. Instead, that kept QB alive. And he and they go into the breaker. And yes, he did have a, a smaller opening, still a big one, serving at 5-4. Yeah, and it was on his racket. It was 5-4 It's four on his racket, yeah. But, though, but, but again... Djokovic makes the solid return and UB gets nervous on his backhand. And then Djokovic played a very good point at five alls and it ended up passing him off the backhand down the line. And then Hubie played an incredible point to get back to six all. And Djokovic was just trying, was not going to miss, but finally did miss the backhand. The Hubie made some, played that rally extraordinarily well. And then Djokovic still managed to get the last two points. I thought Djokovic outplayed him by by a decent margin in the second set not in the first there was that there was this hanging in the balance so i would say if i'd been hubie's coach i would have said well if you had some better luck you would at least be coming back at one set all the day but not two sets to love and again we don't know how djokovic would have reacted even he of doesn't course, even of course he alluded to it today he said i was i had i was fortunate to win that first and it's true but then if he loses that tie break his attitude is different in the second set. It's more desperate and, and maybe a different, who knows? I'm just right, saying, who knows? of course, that's why I would never say, say even if me, won to, the I'm just saying tiebreakers, no guarantee he wins the third, the whole match. Time. I'm just saying to me, he, he outplayed him in the second set and he may have been slightly outplayed himself in the first set. And he used his clutch playing prowess to, to pull it out. Yeah. So, I thought this was a dangerous match for Novak, Steve. I thought this was this, I mean, this was damn close. Um, yeah, but it'll see. He was nowhere it. near in danger as the Ega match, but so I'm not going to say like, oh, he was on the ropes of so close losing, and now he's going to coast. I'm not saying that at all. But it'll be interesting to see Novak's matches going forward because this was. I felt the match. I thought Hubie played well, and it, it was it was really well. Close. Hubie Hubie served 33 aces in those in those four sets, and to his great credit, he came back today. And I would, I thought Djokovic was probably going to close it out in three. And they look like we're, look like we're headed for another tiebreak. And he breaks Novak at five, six, his best return game by far. The match, the only time he broke Novak in the match. They each only broke each other once. But, but Djokovic, I thought, recovered well in the fourth. He didn't let that really kind of weigh on his mind that he, because he said in the press conference later that he thought he would have liked his chances in the third set tiebreak. So it was disappointing to get broken at the end of the set like that. And he thought he maybe played that game a little cautiously, but that Hubie played it quite well. But then at three all in the fourth, Novak struck again after Hubie recovered from 1540 this time to get to the ad. Djokovic finally got him on the third break point with one of his classic points where he pummeled away at Hubie's forehand. And there's no doubt, uh, David, that there's there's some flaws in that forehand technique of, of Herkosh. And Djokovic exploited it there and got the break. And then in his last two service games, he didn't lose a point. They were love games. And the last game, he served, started off with two aces and really closed it out confidently. So I think he'll feel good about the way he responded in the fourth set. I agree with your point. All I'll say is this about Hubie was that he was a dangerous opponent. It took stupendous serving from him, and it was stupendous. I mean, his ability to swing Steve, to wide. To Novak, it's going to take a stupendous effort from anybody. Novak is playing so well. It's going to take but an I'm amazing saying, performance. I'm saying in the entire rivalry, of what, all the times I've seen these guys play, I've never seen Herkash serve nearly that well against him. 
And we're talking about a guy that's had a kind of a very disappointing year. He's had a great Wimbledon. He hadn't lost his serve coming into this match. And when Novak broke him in the fourth set, that was the first time. First time. But And his ranking has slipped out of the top 10 to being the 17 seed here. So his results have not been that good. But granted, he showed how great he can be on grass. He'd taken a set off Novak at Wimbledon before, but it was still that that previous Wimbledon clash was a fairly routine four-set match. And uh, I just think he had a phenomenal... What impressed me the most was that he comes back today, David. They played under the roof last night. That was an indoor match, which made the atmosphere even more electric, by the way. One of the most enjoyable evenings I've ever spent in the center of court was that one. Because of the crowd, they were so fair to both players. But then he comes back today. It's windy. The roof is open. This was not like Raf and Novak in 2018 semi where they kept the roof closed, even though the weather was okay the next day, because the rule then seemed to be, no, we have to keep the same conditions. They didn't do that here. They opened it. And you, and Djokovic even alluded to that too. He felt the way I felt that maybe the wind and the, and the elements were going to help him to have a better chance to break. And jo- and Hubie comes out and serves magnificently all the way through the, the, the third set to win that one. And finally Djokovic gets that one break that one critical break of three all in the fourth. So I think it was a phenomenal effort. I'm curious to see if this can now take QB back into his top 10 form, because I think he's a top 10 player because he can actually play on anything. And he, and he's particularly good on hard courts and indoors and grass, but I want to see him now have a second half of the season. that's worthy of that performance. Very well said about the the roof being closed last night and then it being open today. Just another example of how tough this sport is and how players have to constantly adjust, not only not knowing when you're going to be playing, unless you're first on, of course, but different conditions within the same match. It's it's and Djokovic, what these athletes are doing. And Djokovic discussed that, David, and he said it was hard for him to get his, his rhythm back on serve, you know, the same rhythm that he had last night because he was holding more easily himself last night. He was holding really easily, not, not with Hubie 138 mile an hour aces, but with well-placed serves setting up, you know, control of the rally and sometimes some free points on the serve. You saw him pausing a lot today to gauge the win before he'd serve. So for Hubie to continue that kind of phenomenal serving in these conditions today amazed me. And what I think makes him a great server, David, is that, you, you know, obviously the 137, 138, 135, the bombs down the tee on either side, but he has that incredible wide slice in the deuce court. And you see him make it break short and wide. And so whoever, who aces Novak 33 times? Yeah, I mean, that crazy. was just a phenomenal performance. Crazy. Yeah, no, that's a crazy good effort. All right, two questions, because I know you got to get to bed. Two questions before we end. All right, I said earlier, Sviantek, Sabalenka, Rabakina, they've won the last five majors. I'll ask you, will it be a six or will someone like a Jesse Pagula or an Anz Jabor who's come so close twice making it to well, finals and Grand Slams or Madison Keys? Maybe will they break that streak? Or again, will it be the sixth major in a row that the big three on the women's side get through? Well, likely the latter. I think the only one that can spoil that, uh, the others you mentioned, I don't see a Pagula or Keys. I just, I mean, listen, I like them both a lot. They're Americans. We'd be thrilled to see them pull it off. But I don't see it. I, the only one that can, could pull it off would be Jabor. 
but it's a tough road because it starts with Rabaka in the quarters and she has to keep going and then win that semi. She'd have to beat that, all three. Potentially, she'd have to beat all three yeah, of them, Steve. Be Sabalenka most likely in the semis and then Sviantek in the final. So that's not likely to me, but she's capable of it. She's yeah. she is of that ilk. She is, you know, we've seen her. We saw how close she came last year to winning here, winning here and winning the U.S. Open and lost the finals of both because she lost to Sviantek at the U.S. Open final. So Anz is, 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 she belongs in that elite group, I think. But that's and what an accomplishment that would be, Steve, if she got her first slam and she had to beat all three of those quarter semifinal. That'd be fantastic. It would be, it would be really befitting. If you do that, then you have earned the title and, and all credit to Anz. I, I still am going with one of the three. And I, I I'm going to say, I'm going to say Rabakana. I just like her serve on this court and I, I like her poise under pressure she's so calm she's so implacable out there and i just i i like her chances but again it wouldn't be way you know it, it wouldn't be heavy betting on anybody because i of the three because they're all fully capable of taking this title and i have to say maybe maybe the one i would most like to see it would be ega because I, I like the fact that she has now established herself as the preeminent player in women's tennis. And this would be a terrific follow-up to winning and rolling Garros just a few weeks ago to, to pull off that double. And I'd like to see it happen. Yeah. And then on the men's side, I mean, is any, is, is, the next time we speak, is Novak going to be what, what number? I, I can't count that. I pretty much was it 24. <laughs> 24 now you know david it's funny I, I i watch them it's interesting because tv versus live but you see certain things when you're sitting in the arena as i was for this match and you watch it come out and start get taking the rackets out of the bag and you can almost you can almost you're so aware of what he's thinking about and what he's weighing this it's he's just so darn professional out there and you see him sizing yes he bends to his corner. He gets upset with evenness. We know that. He's the first to admit that he has to do that sometimes. He feels a little badly about it because he's the one responsible for success or failure out there and not them. But I just like the way he attends to every little detail. You see it with the racket. You see him sitting in the chair. You feel him thinking. And, uh, and, and I get that more when I'm sitting in that center court than I even do from watching him on television. That the deep and un, undying professionalism and he, he wants this title pretty badly i'm sure well hey thank you for staying up doing this steve you're gonna have a, you've already seen two great days you're gonna see a great six days ahead uh go get some rest thank you for doing this and the next time we speak uh you most likely be back in the states and we'll uh we'll, we'll have our post uh post slam special so thank you again steve yeah, well, David, I look forward to that. Hopefully we'll do that. We can do that one week from tonight, and I'll be back home again at that point, and we'll, we'll be looking back on the tournament. But I don't see how we can go wrong the rest of the way with the men or the women with the way these quarterfinals are set up. It's, so almost, impossible. it's almost impossible not to have an enticing ending to this tournament. A lot of people would want to be where you are right now for the next six days because it's going to be a great <laughs> run. Sure. Steve, enjoy yourself. Get some rest. And thanks again. Thank you, David. Enjoyed it.